name. And everyone said, amen. So all those that we just read, envy, murder, drunkenness, and uh, uh, sorcery, and contentions, and jealousy, and outbursts of wrath, and selfish ambitions, of course, are the work of the flesh. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us, and put, put it up real quick, Romans uh, chapter 7. Look at this, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Romans chapter uh, 7, verse 18. It says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good. Somebody say nothing good. The wells. And, and don't you, that's why we need to be in church. Can I get a witness up in here? It's like being in the church is like, God, literally, you're allowing yourself to be spiritually detoxed of all those different things that we had just mentioned of that are the works of the flesh. So it says, uh, nothing good dwells for to, to, for to will is, is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So we've come to the conclusion that nothing good dwells in us. That's why I always say, Lord, less of me and more of you. We should all adopt that, amen? Less of us and more of you. But let's look at this real quick. So those are the works of the flesh. So, But tonight we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. So number one, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Somebody say love. I believe that when you look at these nine um, fruit, you literally, I believe that this is actually like, like a, 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 a mirror, if you will. If you ever wanted to mirror, look in the mirror and like really see where you are, you look at these nine and kind of evaluate where you are spiritually based on how many of these you have. And this is the thing. If you're falling short in one of the nine, thank God that his mercies are new every morning. Amen? That you can, you can look at these and then really begin to adopt these, these fruit of the Spirit in your life. Amen? So tonight we're going to look at uh, love, and I'm hoping that we get to joy. I want to really try my best to cover two of these on tonight. So number one, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Let's go to Romans uh, 13 and 8 real quick. Romans uh, 13 and, and 8. Amen. Look at this real quick. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves an, uh, another has fulfilled the law. But in the interest it says, Owe no one anything except to love him. In other words, he's saying that we, have to, we, we owe it to people to love one another. And I've heard people say, well, I just can't love everybody. We have to love everybody. I didn't say you got to like everybody. But we have to love everybody, amen? Because even that person, you might not like their ways, but you've got to still love them. Listen, my 17 and 18-year-old, these last couple of years, they've done some stuff that have rocked me. And I'm like, Jesus of Nazareth. Anybody been there with your teenagers before? And you just want to grab them by the throat. Oh, maybe y'all, every once in a while, you know, but my point in bringing that up is that just because they've let me down and disappointed me doesn't mean I hate them. I still love them. I just don't like some of their ways. How many married folk I got in here? I know you love that man. I know you love that woman. But it's something about that person that just you don't like. Can I get a witness up in here? But you still wake up in the morning still loving them. You'll tell them, I don't like that. Can I get a witness? <laughs> but again, that don't mean you stop loving a person because, you know, you don't like an area in their life. 
Remember I shared with the women only when I talked about 80-20. 80% of you I love, but it's about 20% of you I can't stand. But it doesn't take away the love that I have for you. So let's get into this. So, so it says, owe no one. So he was basically saying that we owe it to one another to love one another. Amen? But then look at this. Look at this. This is, going, this is a scripture I really want to get to. Go to 1 John 4 and 20. Look at this. 1 John. 1 John 4 and 20. Look at this. Look at this. It says, uh, if someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, and he is a, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Somebody say, Jesus. How are you going to sit up here and say, you love God whom you've never seen, but then you see your brother, but then you hate his guts? That means you don't have the love of God in you. Again, you might not like with some, somebody's ways, but you don't hate people. Amen? Amen? Even people that hate on you, you don't hate on them. A lot of times, I've never known somebody that's hate on me that was bigger than me, that was doing better than me. You notice that, that people that hate on you are people that are beneath you? Because people that are above you, why would they even hate? You understand what I'm saying? So, but my point is that don't even get caught up in that because you're going to, not everybody's going to celebrate you. There's going to be somebody that's going to hate you, but you don't reciprocate that hate. You just love them. The word of God tells us, it says, love your enemies. Amen. And love them who despitefully use you. But let's look at this text one more time. It says, if someone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he is a liar. The Bible calls you a liar. Oh, Jesus. So you're saying, Pastor, I can't hate that person that did that to me 29 years ago. That's exactly what I'm saying. I didn't say you got to go have a cup of coffee at Paradise Bakery. Come on, somebody. But what I am saying is that you still have to love that person. You just don't like that part of them. You don't like how they did you and how they let you down and how they disappointed you or maybe how they violated you. I'm not justifying the behavior and what they've done. All I'm saying is you still don't have a right. You're not justified to hate because we got to remember who we are and whose we are. Because really, when it's all said and done, love is the, what gets people into the house of God. We can go to Jeremiah 31 and 3. I didn't have it on my, my, my notes, but it says by love and kindness is how we draw people. It's love. Really, everything in life starts with love. If we can just get more love in this world, it can stop all this hate that's going on. Can I get a witness up in here tonight? Amen? But go, go, go to, uh, uh, thank you for putting that one up. But yeah, by love and kindness, I've drawn you. But go, go back to that scripture in, in 1 John 4. And then we're going to look at verse 21. First uh, uh, John, uh, uh, look at it. So then it says, and this commandment we have from him. So this came from God. It came from him that he who loves God must. Somebody say must. Must means it's a necessity that you love his brother also. So at the end of the day, 
we got to love. We cannot sit up here talking about we love God whom we've never seen and then hate our brother, amen, or hate somebody that did you wrong, amen. Look at this, go, go, to, go, to, go, to, go to 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, look at this, 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clangling cymbal. You're just talking a whole bunch of noise. But you have no love behind what you're saying. And it says, though I speak with tongues of men. So you even got some folk, they can speak in heavenly language. You da 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 Your da 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 ain't even hitting the ceiling. Because you ain't got no love behind it. You she da 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 ba ba shaka and all that. You better have some love behind what you're saying. Amen? So, as we're looking at love, got to love your brothers. Amen? How can you love God? whom you, you, Here it is, you've never seen him, but then you see your brother, but then hate him. Then it talks about, you know, uh, about you like basically clangling brass because there's no love behind what you're saying. And then look at 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and 13 real quick. 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and, and, and 13. 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 16 and 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. Next verse. Let all that you do be done with love. Everything you do, people of God, you do it with love. I believe that when you do that, that that love will be reciprocated to you. How many of you believe that? Because the Bible says that that a man soweth, that, somebody say that, will he also receive. So whatever that 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 you're sowing, you're going to get that that back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Running over, amen. That ain't just talking about money. That's just life, amen. That's just certain principles that if we operate in, if we operate in hate, you'll get hate back, good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. So we want to make sure, amen, amen, that, that that's, not, that's not us, amen. Sowing hate or, or sowing, uh, 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 not, not being kind, amen. I can't wait, wait to talk about kindness. I'm going to use David as an example when we get there in a few weeks. But let's look at this other one. Look at this. Go to uh, Mark uh, 12 and 30. Everybody knows this one. Mark 12 and 30. And we'll look at 30 and 31. It says, and, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, which your soul is your emotions, your feelings. Then it says, with all your mind, which means even with your intellect, and, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Next verse. Then it says, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And then interesting note, it goes on and says, you shall also even love your neighbor as yourself. That's deep. Neighbor meaning, we always think of a neighbor, somebody in our neighborhood. Yeah, you can say that. I'm talking about your neighbor, the one that's sitting right next to you right now tonight. You got to have love for that person. You might not know their name, but you better love them. Amen? Got to have love for our neighbor, amen? And then um, look at this one. Go to, um, uh, I like this one. Go to 1 Peter 4 and 8. 1 Peter 4 and 8. Look at this real quick, 1 Peter 4 and 8. So it says, uh, uh, and, and above all, 
above all, all things, have fervent love for one another. For the love will cover a multitude of sins. Can I get a witness? When, when somebody confides in you and tells you that they've had a human moment, that's not the time to uncover that person. Matter of fact, you have a responsibility to cover them with the love of God. See, I lived in a day and time where back in the day, boy, you confide in somebody, boy, you'll still be all out in the street. But listen, you got to, that's why there's some things that in this church that people have told me I ain't never told nobody. There's some things that men have confided with me that I won't even tell my wife. Why? Because at the end of the day, I owe it to that person to cover them. Amen? And just say, you know what? Just because you had a weak moment doesn't mean you're weak. Amen? And remember, all those works of the flesh, it says those that practice these. There's a difference between falling and diving. Do I need to explain that? I am anyway. Falling. <laughs> fall. You had a fall. It means that you, your, your intentions were pure. You just had a weak moment. But, but diving, I mean, you put it on the calendar, you scheduled it. This is when I'm going to do this deed. You understand what I'm saying? And then you got the time already in, in, engraved in your head. That's called diving. Amen? And falling means that you have had a weak moment. And that's why I love Proverbs 24, 16. It says, a righteous man, he falls seven times, but he gets back up. The travesty is not when you fall. The travesty is when you don't get back up. Because it doesn't say the, a righteous man, a man that's in right standings with God is going to have a human moment. A woman in right standings with God is going to have a human moment. Why? Because we went to Romans 7, 18. There dwell of no good thing in the flesh. Our flesh is the trip. We still, listen, your spirit is saved, but your flesh ain't. Your spirit is saved, but your flesh is progressively trying to get there. Amen? Because your, your, your spirit is what tries to keep your flesh in check. Anybody ever just wanted to go ham on somebody, and you was justified, and then your spirit began to say, don't do it. And then your spirit had to have a conversation with your flesh. Anybody been there? Praise the Lord. Every hand should be up here. All of us then had some arguments with ourselves. Can I get a witness up in here? <laughs> Amen. But you know what? Part of the reason why you didn't, you didn't have a human moment on some people that you were justified to is because you had enough love in you. Say, I'm not going to even go there. You know that it takes love to say vengeance is the Lord's. He will repay. It takes the love of God. To say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to step back and let you do you. Because you can do a way better job than I ever could. Because once I get done with this person, after about 24 hours, I'm going to start feeling bad. And be like, I shouldn't have did that. Anybody been there before? And you did it. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. Thank God he's a God of a second chance. Can I get a witness up in here? I remember one time I was a deacon at a church. And this other deacon had made a comment to me because he had just got hired. And I already had been working for the church for two years. And when he looked at my job description, he said, uh, he said a, uh, a volunteer can do what you do. 
I said, well, brother, did you look at that job description really clearly? Just today, I made 28 calls and three hospital visits. I left my house at 8. I've been here, uh, got here at 8.30, and it's almost 8 now, p.m. You can't get a volunteer to, to, to pull an 11, 12-hour shift. So um, when he came at me and was like, oh, he started arguing with me about it. So I got out of my desk, and I said, if you say something else. Now, I was a deacon. Because you know deacons can fight. Come on, you know deacons. Anybody grew up in a church that had deacons, they'll fight in the parking lot, fight in the church. Can I get a witness? So here it is. I'm feeling like a Deacon Brooks. You know, every church had a Deacon Brooks, a Deacon Johnson. I'm re getting ready to go to blows with this cat. That's like 4'11", y'all. I got a few folk in here that know who he is. But again, it's not, I wasn't a pastor. I was a deacon. Praise the Lord. But long story short, I, I didn't do it as much as I wanted to because I don't, I don't appreciate somebody trying to dumb down my position because literally you're trying to dumb me down. And I'm, I don't get down like that because I don't believe in dumbing down nobody. You understand what I'm saying? Even when I was in the world, you know, we didn't do stuff like that. Some of us had some boundaries. Can I get a witness up in here where you just didn't, you know, do stuff, you know, you just dumb down folks just because, and a lot of times people do that because how, that, that's a sign of how you feel about yourself. So you got to put yourself on a pedestal so you will talk, you will talk to everybody sideways to make yourself feel good because you don't feel good about yourself. But my point though is I did get in the flesh, but I'm so glad that I didn't follow through. I had enough love of God in me to not cock back. Anybody been there before? But I still had to repent to him a couple days later because it was still wrong because it shouldn't have got that far. But still, you shouldn't provoke anybody either. Because a lot of times, people can try to stimulate something. What they're stimulating is that evil nature. And that evil nature, come on, we either fight or flight. And I got some fighters up here. I got some fight. But we've had to be like, okay, God, I'm back in the streets. I would have slapped this person. I would have two-pieced them. But I'm going to walk in love. Why? Because go back to the text. Go back to the text. It says, above all. Somebody say, and above all. Above everything, it says have fervent love for one another. So we, that, that love will stop us from going over the edge and hurting somebody. Amen? Then it says, so, so above all uh, things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. We as a people got to cover each other. Amen? And I'm not talking about covering somebody, and they just keep on doing and keep on doing it, then you got to have a stern talk with them. But I'm going to cover you because I still believe in you because, listen, David was a man after God's own heart, the apple of his eye, and had issues. Can I get a witness up in here? But God still restored him. I believe a lot of it had to do because of his love for the people. God's still hand was still on David, even though he had a human moment. Well, he had more than a human moment. He was having folks killed and taking their wives and whatnot. This brother had to go on some, some repentance. If, if you read Psalm 51, that's, that chapter from verses 1 through like 13, some of the awesome scriptures you'll you ever read in the Bible, how he begins to repent to God and how he begins to say, Lord, wash me with hyssop. Wash me when he was saying, was, he was denoting with that denosis, Lord, beat this out of me. I really don't want to be like this. Amen? But let's get back on this. We're almost done with the love, and we're going to transition to joy. So 
Um, go, go, go back to that, though. Go back to that. So remember that. It's, 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 it's love will cover a multitude of sins. We got to cover our sister. When you know somebody tells you, amen, that I'm going through in my flesh or I'm, I'm just going through mentally. I just want to give up. That's the time to not get on the phone and text other people and tell you, well, Sister Sally going through. She's talking about quitting. Talking about stepping down for being a greeter at the church. And we know that's the only thing that's keeping her saved. Because <laughs> a lot of us need to be busy. Can I get a witness up in here? An idle mind is a devil's workshop. A lot of us need to be serving. Especially some of y'all that's single, maybe you need to be at all three services. Maybe you need to serve at one and sit at the other two. I'm preaching now. I got a few. They like, amen. Need to be around the word, amen. Every person needs to know where they are, amen. <laughs> so, um, but, but look, look, look uh, go to this last one. First Corinthians 13, 13. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love. Then it says, these three, but the greatest, somebody say the greatest. Of these three, of these is love. Look at that, we need, we need hope. Hope in the Greek means to have an expectation and to anticipate, don't ever lose your hope. Even Romans 5 and 3 says the glory and tribulation for tribulation works the patient experience and experience hope, amen. So we need, as believers, we need the hope, amen. And the other one is uh, 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 faith. Obviously, we need faith because Hebrews eleven six that says without faith, it's impossible to please God, but he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we need these, we need these three elements. We need faith. We need hope. But it says out of the three, it says the greatest of these is love. So people of God, let's make sure that we walk in love. The first fruit, and it's interesting, when you come out, out of these nine, you come out, the, 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 the word of God comes out the gate with the first one being love. Love meaning, let's, I, I should have did this at the beginning, but love means to have a deep affection. It also means intimacy. Also the word love means compassion. Also the word love means to be caring. It means to regard. I love that. Let's, let's look at that compassion for just a minute. See, you know you have love when you have compassion. I believe a lot of times God doesn't go after the most talented in the person, most talented person, he goes after the one that has compassion. I believe part of the reason why God overlooked all of David's brothers, amen, who I'm sure physically were all seem to be qualified, but God knew the one that would have the compassion for people would be David. And that's why the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We're going to be surprised who God begins to use in these last days. Because I don't believe God is going after the one that's all articulate and intellectual. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being articulate and intellectual. But really, at the end of the day, God a lot of times puts his fingerprints on the one that has compassion. Because sometimes our intellect can get in the way and we'll be like, you know what, this person deserves death. We'll be looking at things logically. We need to, where then somebody with compassion would say, you know what? He needs a second chance. Look at the compassion that Jesus had with the woman that got caught in the act of adultery. Look at the love that was shown in that text. Because remember, those men were getting ready to stone her to death. And my question is, what about him? Because it takes two to tangle. Can I get a witness up in here? Come on, we know she was a thought, but what about him? Oh, uh, yeah. 
Somebody over said, you wrong, Pastor. Some of y'all gonna Google that and look that up and figure out what that means. <laughs> Pastor like said, it's a thought, a thought. What's that? Look it up. It mean that hole right over there. Was that what that did I say that right? Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't lost y'all now. <laughs> but I love the compassion. <laughs> that Jesus had for her. You look at the compassion he had, and then he looks at these men, and he says, he without sin cast the first stone. And then, of course, their minds begin to turn. They begin to realize, you know, most theologians believe the reason why they put their rocks down, because all of them at one time had did the same thing. So they put their rocks down, they leave, and then Jesus looks at her and says, neither do I condemn thee. Look at the compassion. Look at the love. Look at how he cared about her. But he didn't totally let her off the hook. He said, now go and sin no more. The word go means to withdraw. He was saying, now listen, go, withdraw from that lifestyle. In other words, he was telling her, you're better than that. Go, withdraw from that lifestyle and stop missing the mark. Those are the instructions. So he didn't just give her a pass. He gave her a pass with instructions. That's why we cover our brother, our sister, amen. Let's, let's cover them, but let's give a, say, we're going to give you a pass. We're going to pray because it's mercy, mercy meaning he gives us what we don't deserve. But at the same time, let me give you some, let me give you some instructions. Let me use this as a teaching moment, if you will. And I love that because he looked at those gentlemen and said, he without sin cast the first stone. Let's not talk about the prostitute that was uh, at his feet. Here it is. She's washing his feet with her hair. And all the Pharisees are like, y'all, they were like, you know who she is? And Jesus was aware, of course. He's God in the flesh. He knows what's going down. But look at the compassion. Look at the love that he had toward her. And I love that. Not only did Jesus have compassion and love for those that were down and out, but what about the ones that were up and out? Let's talk about Zacchaeus and how he was a tax collector. Black was nowhere on his radar. And people got upset because he went and had dinner with him that night. And he explained to them, this one of Abraham's son, and wind up getting him saved. Because as a people, we have to have compassion and love for those that are down and out and up and out. Come on, we've had people come through kingdom, and that kingdom now, a man came here with nothing in their pockets, down and out, but we had compassion, and we loved them. Then we've had people that have come in here with a pocket full of money, but then they were empty on the inside, and we were able to give them Jesus. We were able to give them the engrafted word. We begin to explain to them that at the end of the day, what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. Then that scripture goes on. It says, what will a man exchange for his soul? We got to be careful that we don't sell our soul to the devil. That's a whole nother topic right there. Because some folks have done it. They said, listen, I want, I want all the riches and the goods and will sacrifice to get it where family members in their, their, are, are, uh, wind up leaving here premature. That's a whole nother, whole nother, uh, what's that called? Illuminati. Maybe we'll look at that later in the year. Because I do believe there's some truth to that. Mm -hmm. People might beg to differ, but that's okay. Amen. But let's get, into, let's get into joy. So we've looked at love tonight. Amen. But let's look at joy a little bit. Go to Romans chapter 15 and 13. We'll be done here in about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Look at this. Romans 15 and 13. Look at this real quick. 
It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's, let's get back to the beginning of this. Now may the God of hope fill you. How many know he wants to fill you with his joy? The word fill means that he wants it to be overflowing. He wants you to be full of joy. That word also means that he wants you to be stocked, supplied, loaded, and refilled. Because we need joy. You know, one of the things that the enemy is after, he's after your joy. Because I believe it's our joy that gives us an edge on the enemy. Because a lot of times, people that are, people that are committing suicide, people that are going to... Um, um, homes, you know, our, our different uh, facilities, amen, to, to get, to get cl clinical help or whatever, a lot of it has to do that they've lost their joy. I've worked in those places. Before I became a pastor, that's what I did for a living. I was a psychiatric tech, and a lot of times I couldn't speak the word in some of my groups that I would do, low self-esteem groups, and I would do anger management groups, but then there was times where if my supervisor wasn't around, I was able to drop Jesus on these people and able to go to their rooms and tell them, you done lost your joy. Because a lot of them were Christians that were coming in there for one reason or another because of some type of letdown, some type of disappointment. They allowed the enemy to come in and eat away at their joy. So the word of God, let's go back to that first part again. It says, uh, 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 it says may, the, may the God of hope fill you. He wants to fill you not only with his joy but his peace. We talked about peace on Sunday about how he's Jehovah Shalom. But we won't get into that. But at the end of the day, he wants to fill you with his joy. Look at this real quick. The word... Uh, joy, it, it means uh, to triumph, it means, I like this, it means to delight, also enjoyment, it means pleasure. Uh, even the Word of God tells us that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of the saints. In other words, God gets a joy out of blessing his children. But look at this, go, go, to, go to this scripture, go to Psalm 30, verse 5. Look at this, Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger... It's but for a moment. Everybody need to say amen. Thank God that his anger is but for a moment. Thank Jesus for God. Amen. Then it says his favor is for life. Don't you ever let somebody tell you that his favor then ran out. No, his favor, his anger is for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Amen. Then it says weeping may endure at night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen, we're going to have our days where we're going to weep. We lose a loved one. Don't feel good to lose someone that you love. But the word of God promises us, yeah, weeping may endure at night, but joy comes in the morning. You might lose a job. Yeah, you might weep at night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Amen? Because at the end of the day, you and me cannot afford to lose our joy. If we lose our joy, count some Christmas. Your life is, you, you about to be a nervous breakdown, a basket case. People of God, don't you ever allow the enemy to steal your joy. The enemy is after, I believe part of the reason why people backslide, they've lost their joy. They've lost their joy. The minute you lose, now I believe in zeal because we need to have zeal. But we need to have zeal with information. Amen. Zeal is another word for joy. Amen. Because I think that when, when you look at it, I, I remember I would have so much joy serving God. I would have so much zeal, but then I would hit a wall, and then I would go back to what was familiar. 
I would go back to what would say it was because of my lack of word. So when we got the word and we got joy, we, we know that at the end of the day, this too shall pass. We won't be a basket case, glory to God. But look at that again. It says, but joy comes in the morning. Don't lose your joy. Look at this. Go to Nehemiah 8 and 10. Look at this. Nehemiah 8 and 10. It says, uh, 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 then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you realize that your strength comes from your joy? That's why the enemy will fight you tooth and nail to eat away at your joy because Satan knows that if he can snatch your joy, your strength is going right out the window. Because joy and strength go hand in hand. If you know somebody that's got joy, that person's got strength. That person that does not have joy, that means your strength is literally withering away. So at the end of the day, he says the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's why another reason we can't afford to lose our joy. I said it and I'm going to say it again. Joy gives us leverage. Joy gives us not only leverage, but it gives us an edge on the enemy because when we have joy, we have strength. And when you have joy and you have strength, you can fight from your place of victory. And then the enemy, what is, we, there's nothing that he can do. He might come in like a flood, like I read Sunday, Isaiah 59 and 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, but by the Spirit of God, he said, I will lift up a standard, amen? So as, yeah, the floods are, are, are in your life, but at the end of the day, you still got your joy. Yes, it's flooding, amen, but you still got your strength. Because there are times that all of us in this room have been through our own personal floods where you maybe have lost a job or maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe somebody walked out on you or whatever, but you made up in your mind, I'm going to hold on to my joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Let's look at one more. Go to, um, go to uh, James 1 and 2. James 1 and 2. Look at this real quick. James 1 and 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Look at this next verse. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Next verse. And but, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Isn't it interesting that really the only way you can be made is through trials. You know what really makes us when you really think about it? Two things make us uh, pain slash pressure and trials. Pastor, how's pain making me? Pain will make you rely on God. When you're going through some disappointment and letdown and it's painful, it should draw, drive you to your knees. It should drive you to your face and say, Lord, I am hurting. I got a broken heart. I need you to fix my heart. And then what happens is, when you allow God to begin to do spiritual surgery on you, then God trusts you with more of his anointing. Then he trusts you with more of his power because people want the anointing, but they don't want the pain that comes with the anointing. I was in high school years ago, and we would walk in the gym, and most of the gyms would have a sign up that would say, no pain, 
no gain. But we don't want to admit a lot of times your gain is connected to your pain. Anybody that's gain, I want to hear the pain that you had to go through to get to where you are. Because nobody gets gain by tippy-toeing around pain. You hear what I'm saying on today? Because they go hand in hand, amen? So go back to the text. Go back, go, go, go back to, go, go back to uh, it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Really, what's, what God is trying to do, that word perfect means that he's trying to make you mature and complete. And that's why he said, count it all joy when you fall. And, and it says various. Somebody say various. That means more than one trial. That means you might get hit with a few different things at one time. But when I think back over the course of that I've been served, the years that I've been serving God, a lot of, I attribute a lot of my anointing and my favor is that I was able to make it through painful seasons and not slap somebody upside the head. I would go into my, anybody been there where you just wanted to go, like I said earlier, you wanted to go ham on somebody, but you're like, you know what, I'm going to just do Psalm 46 and 10, I'm going to be still, and I know that you are God. That word be still means to be undisturbed. I'm going to look to God to be the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm going to keep walking in love. I'm going to keep walking in joy because I know my situation is subject to change. As long as I keep walking in love, if I arm myself with love, I know God has to come to my rescue. If I arm myself with joy, I know God has to come to my rescue. That God can't leave me hanging. Because he said in Hebrews 13 and 5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But go, go back to the text. Go back to the text. Look at this. Go back to verse 4. So he says, I'm going to complete you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to um, make you perfect, which I'm going to make you mature. I'm going to complete you, lacking nothing. Verse 5. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally. Isn't that interesting that when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, you got your joy. But he's saying, listen, you can come to me and ask for the wisdom. Wisdom means you can go to him and ask him for insight. Amen. And he'll begin to enlighten you while you are in your situation. Then it says, who gives all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. Next verse. Then it says, but let him ask in faith. With no one, with no doubting, for he who is for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven, tossed by the wind. Next verse says, "For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord." Look what this one says, verse eight. He is a double-minded man, and he's unstable in all his ways. See, if you don't have joy, you will be unstable. If you don't have love in your life, you will be unstable. Amen. You don't want to be that person that's double-minded, unstable. God can't trust you. God can't even blow on the, the blow the favor of God on your life because you're unstable. He's looking for somebody that's arming themselves with his love. He's looking for somebody that's arming themselves with the joy of the Lord. Amen. He's looking for somebody that's arming themselves with faith. He's looking for somebody that's arming himself with kindness. He's looking for somebody that will arm himself with self-control. And when we begin to arm ourselves with these nine fruit of the Spirit, we can kick butt and take names. When we, put on, we arm ourselves with these nine fruit of the Spirit, guess what? We can fight from our place of victory. Even when it seems like we're losing momentum, we'll know spiritually we have that momentum because we're walking in his love. Because what, 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 what? What won't he do for those of us that are walking in his love? 
Love, I'm telling you right now, people of God, if you continue to have love for others, obviously our first love we got to have for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But like the Word of God says, if you learn how to love your neighbor and have compassion for your neighbor, when the compassion that will come down from heaven and meet up with you, God will mess you up and do things you've never even envisioned in your life. But I believe we got to nail these nine fruit down. We got to make sure we nail down this thing called love. We got to nail down this thing called joy because the joy of the Lord is our what? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Lord, seal this word in our hearts, oh God. Lord, we thank you that you've given us access to your love.